3,500 people. That's how many people are being fed each month at Sparrow's Nest right here in Athens. Now, those families, babies, those experiencing homelessness, people that we call our neighbors. And I have Jamie Scott with Sparrow's Nest with us. And actually, just to kind of show you behind the scenes, we are on location at Sparrow's Nest because, Jamie, you said you've got to come here and experience it for yourself. Yes. And so that's what we're doing. He gave me a great tour of the facility um, that you call a Christian Outreach Center. That's what we are. We're uh, primarily located in one of the busiest streets in downtown Athens, and it's a Christian outreach center. Um, Just being a day shelter for those who are struggling with um, just day-to-day needs, who are under the poverty level or who are struggling with homelessness. Okay, so when people hear Athens, they automatically, let's just be honest, think Bulldogs. You know, the university, um, all the fun restaurants and quirky little coffee shops. But homelessness is not something that maybe comes to a lot of people's minds when they think of Athens. Exactly. Homelessness is, you can view it such as poverty. Poverty is poverty, no matter if you're in a rural area in the United States or you're in a big city such as New York, or if you're in a third world country, um, poverty is poverty. No matter where you live. No matter where you live. Exactly. Right, right. You know, and I know you, Jamie, personally, so I know uh, your testimony, but would you mind sharing it with our listeners? How God prepared you for the work that you're doing today? So to start off, I'm a person in long-term recovery. And what that means for me is that I haven't found it necessarily to use the drug of my choice, which was crack cocaine in a period of 13 years. I speak out about my recovery. I put a face on the voice of recovery. I'm not anonymous about it because what it has done for me, it was the tool, the instrument, the vehicle that got me back reconnected with God. I think I went a whole lot further than the prodigal son and stayed stayed a whole lot longer than he did um, before. I came to my senses. You know, in that time of darkness, what it looked like was being incarcerated over 54 times, going to prison. 54 times? Yes, 54 times. Being incarcerated over 54 times. So I'm out of, they have renovated it now, but it was a place called Jack R. Wells First Housing Authority Projects, and it went to being Paldo. I'm originally from there, and my grandma was one of the first people um, that moved over into those projects when they first opened up and, you know, stayed there and died there over a period of 41 years. Well, take us back then, Jamie. What was it like growing up um, in the projects of Athens? I didn't have my father. I remember when I was a little boy, me and my brother shared a room. We had a two-bedroom apartment. My mom was in the other room. And I would look in the closet from time to time, and I would see these jump boots, almost like army jump boots. And I, you know, just wondered what they were because they couldn't fit me or fit my brother. And I would ask my mom from time to time, and she said, hey, look, you're asking too many questions. But my father had got incarcerated when I was six months of age. He had gotten a concealed life sentence, which today, in today's terms, they call that like life without parole. And my mom began to share with me. She said, well, um, yeah, well, this is, you know, these was your dad boots on and so forth. But I'll tell you about it when you get a little bit older. I remember, you know, getting the government cheese, getting the government uh, milk, powdered milk um, that you mix water with, honey and things like that. It was just a, you know, a natural being in the projects. My uncle had a bootlegger house. What I mean by a bootlegger, not a legal liquor store or whatever else, but he would sell beer and half a paints and stuff like that. That was 
kind of the darkness that I was raised up around in my neighborhood, but I didn't know it was darkness at the time. I was exposed to a life of crime at a very early age. I seen my uncle get murdered when I was around the age of five. In five? Those, yeah, five years old. His wife killed him. In um, front of you? Right in front of me. I witnessed that with one of my older cousins. I wow. got exposed to alcohol at a young age, marijuana at a young age, and so also did shoplifting. You, did, through it all when you were little, did you just think my life will be like my dad's? This is going to be who I am. Yeah, well, he was my superhero for one reason, because as I began to get older and guys who knew my dad in the neighborhood, they would always say, it was one guy by the name of Glenn, and he would say, hey, cowboy. And I wonder why he would always call me cowboy. And I said, hey, he said, here you go. He said, man, your daddy was a bad man. He would all, he, he. That was a badge of honor. That was a badge of honor. And he was like, man, nobody mess with your daddy out here in these streets. He would deal with them. And I was like, man, okay. I stuck my chest out, not knowing that it was that, you know, he was shooting people up until I got older and robbing and doing things like that. Because, you know, I'm like any other kid. You know, my dad is my superhero. I haven't seen him, but, you know, I was hearing That about was your him. goal, was to be your dad. In a way, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever meet your father? I met my father. The first time I met my father was in prison. I was. You were I, in prison. I wasn't in prison, okay. but I ended up meeting him later on when I was in prison. But I had um, just got through facing some capital offense charges by the grace of the, the Lord. You know, that's when I first gave my life to Christ. I came home from that, and my mom said, okay, look, I'm going to take you to meet your dad because I don't want that on my conscience to make it seem like I was trying to keep you from him. And the rate that you're going, boy, you're going to be in life with him. You're going to be in prison with him for life. So she took me to visit him. He didn't know who I was. It was my first time seeing him. He thinking I'm my older brother. That was my first time meeting him. The second time I met him, I was in prison. He was already doing time. I had a disciplinary transfer. I had and messed the guy up pretty bad, and they were thinking about bringing charges against me in the prison. So I played like I was crazy or whatever, and they was like, okay, well, go take him get evaluation. So they sent me to this place where they do evaluations at in another prison to see was I thinking in my right frame of mind or did you know or whatever and I met my dad there you know um I only know you Jamie Scott child of God I don't know that other Jamie so you telling me the stories of you messing up somebody or you thinking the life to be like your dad behind bars and being a scary guy was your goal it's just mind-boggling to me because I just think I don't know that Jamie. I know Jamie, who is a child of God, um, who eyes glow, whose smile is big and loves people deeply. And just to hear that, because we just got back, um, he Jamie led a devotional and um, asked me to come and just the blessing of seeing you love on people who are in the same predicament, same life choices that you were before God redeemed you and the, the heart and the love. And, and Jamie, you said something that I couldn't say, and a lot of us couldn't say, is I've been there. I know what it's like to be addicted to crack cocaine. And, and God was redeeming you, and he had a story and a plan for your life, even though you thought your plan was just to be the scary guy who had life without parole like your dad. God said, no, there's something else. And tell me about that time when you had that first encounter with the Lord. 
So just as I said a few moments ago, Jules, you know, poverty is poverty, nowhere, no matter where you're at. A calling is a calling, no matter where you're at, right? Um, so I was looking at two life sentences. I'm 17 at the time. 17? I was 17 at the time and hadn't too long Ooh, Jamie. turned 17. The gospel was preached to me. I've never seen what the gospel looked like. My first time ever going to church was to a funeral of my uncle who I just told you guys about that I seen get murdered right in front of me at the age of five. The second time was my auntie who lost her life out there in those same projects. I think I went probably one or two times other than that to a Sunday school and my friend who invited me was like, man, they had some good food. You better come on and let's go over and get Sunday school, you know, so. I never heard the gospel preach. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what a preacher was. So, so who was it? It was this guy. He was probably about five feet one. <laughs> and you're this big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this was in 87. And he was, you know, he was one of the old saints. You know, they preach heaven or hell. That's just how it was back yeah. then. He came down the catwalk with a Bible track. And I was back there on my bunk playing spades on the bed with some guys' cards. And he said, hey, anybody want a Bible track? And I said, hold on, guys. I ran up there and got a Bible track from this guy. And after I, when I was getting ready to walk off, he said, um, excuse me, um, young man, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And he says, have you ever been saved? I said, no, sir. You know, because it was traditional from where I come from. When I give my life to Christ, I want to make sure I'm 100% right. I don't want to play with the gospel. I just, you know, I, I, I don't want to play with God. I want to make sure that I'm right and I'm ready. And he looks at me and he smiles, you know, one of those type of Ronald McDonald smiles, one of those smiles that will light up Atlanta. I get ready to walk off again. He said, can I ask you one more question, uh, young man? I said, sure. He said, uh, where do you sleep at in this dormitory behind you? What, what, what bunk do you sleep on? And I said, I sleep in that bunk right back there. You see where those guys at sitting on that bunk? Um, we're playing cards. I sleep right there. And the next question he asked me, Jules, changed my life. He said, if you died tonight, if you went back and laid on that bunk, where do you think you'll go, young man? Now, I've heard of heaven and hell, right? But I didn't know about the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and all the other passages in the Bible. So he says, um, if you laid down tonight, and let's just say, for instance, you didn't wake up and you died, where do you think you'll go, young man? It was like the Holy Spirit paused time for me. I've never, I can't tell you just exactly how to explain that, but I was stuck in a moment of truth, faced with truth. And I really know that my bad out had outweighed my good in my life at that time. And I couldn't answer it. And after probably about a minute or so, he looks at me and said, let me help you out, young man. If you have your life right with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been, if you've uh, accepted his salvation, then you'll go on to be with him in eternity forever and ever. The other side of that, the flip side is if you don't have your life right with Christ, you'll be condemned and you'll go and live with the devil for eternity. And my arms went out the bars and he led me into salvation. My life changed. I've really, it changed. And I know that I gave my life to the Lord. I shared it with my mom and she began to come see me and she could see the change. So that's when I made the conscious decision of giving my life to Christ. But did I stay with him? I didn't at the time. I backslid so on and so forth. But so that's, if that answers your question. Behind good. bars. Behind God bars. met you there. Yeah. God met me there. He met me there. He met me right behind bars. 
And there's no distance. There's no uh, depth. There's no width of God getting his love to you, his unconditional love to you. And that's where he met me at. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. And and now you are executive director of a ministry called Sparrow's Nest, which is in Athens, and it's a Christian outreach center. When you share your story with uh, with the people here, and you say, I've, I've been there and I've done that, this is me, this is who I am, what happens? Well, it gives them something that they can identify. It gives them something that they can have a chance of having hope at. And that's my whole uh, when I, I share my testimony all the time in my messages, when I go different places, when people call me places, so on and so forth. But it's just so I can give someone else who's been struggling like me, who's been caught up in darkness like me, hope, life, and transformation. And that's the business that Jesus is in. I just, I love sharing my testimony. And it gives those guys a sense of saying, man, you know what? If Jamie can do it, then so can I. What are some of the misconceptions of poverty? Some of the misconceptions of poverty is that, you know, sometimes when people see individuals who are running up to their cars, and then I know it can be, you know, you see the same guy on the corner every day or every shift, so on and so forth, holding a sign or the lady who's coming to hassle you or whatever else. And it may be in your mind frame for saying, look, they just need to get a job. They just need to go to work. But there's a process to that because, see, people don't just end up homeless. No one was born saying, okay, I want to be homeless. No one was just, uh, just say, okay, you're homeless instantly. There's a process. And a lot of times when you're looking at homelessness, the things that run together with that are mental health challenges and substance use disorders. And it's not one or the other. Majority of the times, it's a dual diagnosis. It's both and. With just getting a job, you have to have an ID and a birth certificate. You have to be able to have on clean clothes. You have to be able to have been taking a shower for your interview. So there's a process with those things. It isn't just like this guy, You at that moment that you're frustrated, you're saying, you need to get a job. And maybe they do need to get a job. But are they? But ne- how? But yeah, how? Yeah, how? Yeah. All right. So how does Sparrow's Nest do that? So we do that in three primary ways. You know, we're a place of refuge, resources, and restoration. You may say, okay, refuge, how are you a place of refuge? That people can come through our doors and find a place of safety. We believe in that. You know, when they come on our grounds, we have cameras going on the outside, also in the inside, not just for our clients, but for volunteers, for staff, for whoever comes through here. Because, I mean, there, I mean, a lot of these people live in the woods or living yeah, on their bridge. Is yeah. there a place where they can... Take a deep yeah, breath and relax. Really take and... a deep breath. We have security that shows up for so many times out of out of the day. And we always hear saying, man, you know, we're so thankful to come in here. It feels like home. You're so, safe. Yeah, you're safe. So that's that place of refuge that Psalm 91 talks about. You know, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. You know, God being a refuge and a fortress uh, for us, not just for the homeless. The restoration I mean, the um, resource piece, that was the refuge. The resource piece is that a person can come through our doors and receive assistance for ID, birth certificate, prescriptions of non-controlled substances. Because explain explain that, because it was eye-opening when you explained to me the process of getting a license if oh, you don't even have your oh, birth certificate. That is huge. Yeah. Just think about it, Jules. You can't go get an apartment. You can't without ID or birth certificate for your kids. You can't drive a car And without... if you've been homeless for years, 
it, that's that's a huge toll. So with some people, even though they're in different locations, it doesn't mean that they were born in, let's say, Syracuse, New York. They could have been born in Georgia, but they're homeless and they haven't had identification for some years. So there's a process with that. You can't just get that overnight. You have to go online. You have to provide still certain documents to be able to get that. So that's huge for a person who's trying to get a job. Even with them getting a job, you have to have two forms of ID. You have to have two forms of ID to open up a bank account, right? You have to have ID. ID to be able to drive, you have to have, it's, it's so, so important. And we provide those services. Those are one of the things that we provide for us, the resource piece. Um, prescriptions with some people, you know, just can't afford health care. They just can't afford that. They don't have the means of being able to go in and get their insulin or get some things that are extremely high. But we help with um, prescriptions. We have a we have a relationship with. We're right across the street from Village Drug Pharmacy, right? So it's 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 walking distance, right across the street. We we help with that. We help with local bus passes to get people to their jobs once they're getting started off, or to appointments and out of state bus passes to reunite people with their family or to recovery programs that's outside of our state. So if you're in New York, we're able to get you back home or into a treatment program there, Delaware, Denver, so on and so forth. So that's our resource piece um, for as the administrative, but also they can take a shower. They can go to the clothes closet. They can get breakfast, lunch, computer lab. All the things we take for granted. Oh man. To get a job. Oh yeah. Um, You have to have those things in place. And then, do you help them know how to do an interview? Yeah, um, and that's something that we're embarking up on right now. You know, we have a computer lab, but we have people that come in from time to time who are helping people with their resumes, you know, um, because some people just don't um, are um, illiterate when it comes to uh, how to set up an email account or how to fill an online application out since um, just the change in technology. But what we're getting ready to do now, we're getting ready to provide classes as far as breaking the cycle is one of the pieces and it's a four-part series um that you know the first curriculum piece to it is getting started or how did i get here the second is basic cognitive skills the third one is core skills and recovery maintenance after that we'll have a curriculum put in place that's for employment skills you know with one coming behind that for us financial management with having business owners who've already came to us and told me hey jamie the economy is doing really well right now but if you can just assess or or vet the people who are coming through your place and show us that they have skin in the game we will hire them and we have the means of doing that so godly businessmen and women that says yeah i want to help yeah yeah and i want to use my business as a tool for god yes yes making a decent um wage so wow wow when somebody first walks in the door of sparrow's nest what are some of the obstacles they have to overcome to receive help well shame guilt isolation they're dealing with those things when they come through our doors you know we have people that stagger through our doors because we're not even a block or not even a half a block from the hospital, Piedmont. You know, when they come from there, some of them just have a gown on. They don't have anything else on. Their head is scarred up. Their arms are scarred up. They've been hit by a car or they've had a, had a seizure. 
just struggling or was suicidal, right? And they come through the doors and they don't have absolute anything. And we're there to meet them right where they're at with the love of Jesus Christ to say, hey, man, how can we help? And Jamie, when I uh, just saw you doing that devotion and talking to people, it just, it welled up in me the, um, the idea and the thought that it's, but God, rich mm-hmm. in mercy, that, that he um, redeemed all of us and that all of us can be in a room together as children of God. And so just, I mean, praise God. I mean, you know, it, it, it just made me so um, excited to see what God is doing um, through Sparrow's Nest. Would you spend some time maybe telling us a story? I know there's lots of them because you deal with a lot of people, but maybe a story of how um, you have seen God at work in the life of somebody here. Okay, let's just take one from yesterday. We're getting out of church, me and my wife, and we want to stop by this grocery store that cooks some extremely well. We're down south in Georgia, right? Um, <laughs> that cooks some extremely well uh, soul food. That's yeah. what we call it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm coming out of the grocery store, and this lady is speeding up, and she pulls on the side around the side of us, and she hits the horn. She said, hey, Jamie. How's it going? And she's in a new car. She has a, a friend um, I, I, on the other side, whether it's her boyfriend or whatever else. And she said, I just want to say hey and thank you. Now, this lady came from out of state, out of Detroit, and she comes down here over probably a year to a year and a half ago and didn't have anything. She had a daughter, and she was at the Salvation Army. She just stayed around, you know, crying out during devotions, trying to get her life on track and not knowing which way to go in a whole nother state. She began to thank me for the resources that we provided for her in our little town. You know, stories like that, even though it's challenging a lot of times, but stories like that and just seeing people get their lives back on track are always exceptional and encouraging. On the flip side, I spoke about in my devotion this morning about this guy they call Frank Nitty, uh, who name is Frank, who they just found dead yesterday, who's just in our facility last week, who's in his early 30s. During this time that we're dealing with uh, mental health challenges all across the state and the opioid epidemic all across the states, we are a place that people actually are able to come in to and to find some type of peace um, during that moment that they're going in. So, And there's story after story after story that we are able to share, some that are good and some that aren't so good. But you're being faithful to the calling that God placed on your heart. Yeah. And it's so exciting to see um, you live in that, in that yeah. space where God mm-hmm. has called you to here and called you to this town and called you to these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just really smile big on that. And not to lift my own self up, but to kind of pat myself on the back of knowing what my calling is and my assignment is that God has given me because I've had opportunities to be distracted or pulled away from that at times with people offering, you know, a little bit more income, but knowing what my assignment is and allowing God to direct my paths is so huge for me. So when you say that, 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 that blesses me to know that I'm in my assignment. 
of what the Lord has called me to because he takes all of our shortcomings or mishaps in life like he's taken mine and restructures that as the potter has the uh, uh, clay on the wheel and begin to give us a story that is just so amazing to help someone else. I, I, I love that. Well, I appreciate you um, hosting us and uh, and giving me a fantastic tour and just opening our eyes. Because when I was walking down the hallways, I just thought, God, rich in mercy, mm. rich in mercy to all of us. And that we, um, no matter what uh, socioeconomic background, all of us are still under the umbrella of children of God. And that yes. um, was a really great experience. So thanks for hosting us and letting me um, sit in your office and ask you a few questions. <laughs> Thank you all for coming. Love you guys.